0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Welcome back to the First Cut podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm here with Eric Patterson of The Score. Eric, uh, big Raptors game tonight. You're up in Canada. How excited are you for the Raptors' uh, follow-up to their NBA title season?
2: First of all, yeah, Kyle, thanks for having me on. Um, the Raptors, I mean, last season was such a – what an incredible year that was. So this, this banner-raising game tonight's a, a big start for us, but no Zion. So the, the hype kind of took a hit when he was out. But, I mean, championship banner – uh, expectations are a bit lower, but it it should be a good season.
1: Yeah, at, at one point uh, I think there was a chance we could have Zion against uh, Kawhi tonight, uh, and now it's it's <laughs> uh, that's obviously not the case. But we're not here to talk about strokes gained uh, three pointers. We're here to talk a little golf. I, I want I, I'm curious about your story. You're you're at the score. You cover golf for the score, and uh, your Twitter feed is is a blast. I was. Uh, kind of rolling through some of that today, uh, you live tweeted the, uh, the Japan skins game, which was hilarious. Um, just what, what do you do at the score and how did you get there? What's give, give people a little bit of your background on that.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll give you the cold notes. It's a little long. I actually was an engineer uh, at this point two years ago. Um, but thanks to DFS golf, actually, I got into the golf writing world, um, started doing you know, working for free, pretty much online for a variety of websites. And then the score, which is like one of the leading uh, sports apps here in Canada. And we're, we're trickling down to the States, getting into the betting world, but they were hiring a golf writer and I, I decided it was time to switch my career. So I'm here now. Um, pretty sweet gig. Can't complain. I get to watch and talk golf for a living. Um, so yeah, I just cover news, write articles, betting articles, features, all the uh, all the good stuff uh, on uh, you can I guess you can come up with in the world of writing. So yeah, it's been how quite did, the whirlwind over the last two years.
1: How did you how, like? What specifically got you into DFS?
2: I mean, I was playing like fantasy football forever, and then you tried, you know when DraftKings get go got gone, so I tried DFS football and realized that I sucked at it. Um, and then this is like maybe two or three years ago, probably three years ago. I realized, you know, golf is something I I followed my whole life. Um, there's a ton of numbers involved with you know, DFS golf and betting on golf with all the new strokes game data that are pretty much coming mainstream now. So I I tried my hat at that, and you know, it was just kind of be, became a pretty big hobby of mine that's now kind of blossomed into a career.
1: Yeah, what, what are the areas that you've seen where you maybe saw some value in like, hey, this is an area that people haven't exploited yet when it comes to DFS that have kind of evaporated uh, in your time in, in covering golf?
2: One of the, like, at the beginning of, like, in its infancy, I guess you could say people were really just looking at recent results. Yeah. So they'd see a guy who would be like, you know, back-to-back top 10. He has to be playing well, right? Like, you would assume that. But then, if you look deeper into the numbers, you you maybe see that he uh, you know he gained all his strokes putting or around the green. Which, from a DFS standpoint, those are the guys you kind of want to fade. they those skills are hard to you know transfer over week to week. Like you can ride a hot putter, hot putter one week, um, you know maybe bank a, a top five, but it's the ball striking that you're trying to attack. And you know just diving deep into like rolling stats, so you'll look at guys strokes gained uh approach numbers of the last 12 24 tournaments um and you can really start to like dig into like how they are getting to the results they're getting to as opposed to just looking at the leaderboard and assuming this guy played well because he came you know 15th
1: yeah i i think that's something that i've actually seen uh so i started covering golf for cbs sports in 2012 or 20 uh when did adam scott win the masters 2013 so end of 2012 beginning of 2013 okay. and I think in that time it, just the strokes gain stuff has become more mainstream in a, in a way that I think is I think people understand they at least understand the concept of it even if they don't understand uh, some of the minutia and so when you look at somebody like you know I think about Jordan Spieth last year going Colonial Memorial and there was one other tournament heading into the US Open and you're like wow three top 10s in a row and then you start looking at, maybe it was PGA, you start looking at the numbers and you're like, well, actually he's like had three of his best putting performances of all time. And I think people are sort of more aware of that than they would have been seven or eight years ago. Do you, do you feel like P, like people that follow golf are, are more tuned into those types of things?
2: Uh, yeah, no doubt. I think those stats get quoted on broadcast now, you know, uh, golf central is always talking about them. The podcasts yeah. are picking them up. So people are just, Instead of using, you know, uh, driving percentage, driving accuracy, greens and regulation, they're, you know, they're looking more into strokes gained approach, strokes gained off the tee. That where, that's where you see, you know, how is the guy hitting the ball? How is he getting to the green to give himself a birdie look? Instead of, you know, he pulled out from a bunker, so that's how he made birdie, when in theory he could be behind the trees, he could have a to punch out, and then he still made a birdie or saved par somehow. So, yeah, speed, um, we might get into it. Uh, maybe we won't um, but he might be a guy I pick on a little too much I don't hate him but he is such an anomaly when it comes to putting that like he's just someone you can never trust you cannot predict <laughs> his results because he's just so right now at least he's just he almost seems lost with his irons and um, it's just all putting and it was last week even with the limited stats they had last week I believe he was um, he led the field in putts per green and regulation so you can just kind of you know, he was just one putting and he still, I think he finished eight, but, um, it just, it was another one of those short game clinics that he continues to, to turn out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's smoke and mirrors with him. It has been for a while. He was 50th, I think in greens and regulation, which like you said, there, there you wasn't, uh, I mean the advanced strokes gain were not there because they didn't have the course, uh, lasered up, but yeah, in just the the limited stats we had, it's like, man, I just I, I I don't think I can trust this going into the Zozo. And I think the weird part about that is like, and we don't have to get into like the deep dive on Spieth, but he was so trustworthy with his irons like two years ago, three years ago, like he was he was the best iron player in the world for a while. And now it's like he's not even average. I mean, he's he's he hovers around average. He dips below it. He goes a little bit above it. I, I don't get that man and I, i'm curious I, that's one of my big questions going into 2020 i think this is a big season for him overall can he get that back because if not you're just you're not gonna win at the at the clip that he's won at or or at any clip really uh over the course of the rest of his career
2: no yeah speed ball striking is like at the end of i'm looking at it right now at the end of 2017 he was consistently gaining strokes um t to green like yeah like clockwork. And then he carried over a bit into 2018, and then he just lost it. And then at the same time, his putting became that, that run you were talking about, uh, the PGA, Charles, I guess it's uh, the Colonial Memorial. He gained like 25 strokes putting over three <laughs> weeks. And like just absurd. The PGA, he gained over 10 strokes putting. That's, Dude, I would I, say 90% I, of players on tour, if they gained 10 strokes putting, they'd probably win the event. Yeah. Like I've, by a loss.
1: I I followed him on Saturday at the PGA. I, I was walking with him cuz him and Kepka were in the final pairing. And right. I was like this dude cannot find the club face. I mean, this is like this is unbelievable. And he's in the final pairing at a major. I mean, his putting was was incredible that week. Um so I guess on on that note, who who are guys I and I know people have like their their favorite guys, their guys they go to or their least favorite. Who who are guys that over the last few years you've enjoyed uh, uh betting on or, or 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 like you know starting in fantasy versus guys that you've uh kind of enjoyed fading versus the general public do you have any of those guys in either category
2: uh i, I definitely have my favorites and ones that i probably continue to go back on just on like blind faith uh like fleetwood definitely won um especially in majors but again he just struggles with the putting so much that it's you know, he, he'll get there tee to green, and then he'll just fail to convert all of his birdie looks. But, um, you yeah, I'd say Fleetwood, uh, Xander, these guys just strike the ball incredibly well. Um, lower down, uh, there's like Emiliano Griot is a favorite in the DFS world. If you um, follow any of the guys who talk about strokes gained, ball striking, um, these guys, Grio, Benny Ann, these guys just can't putt. But, I mean, they're some of the best ball strikers in the world and they'll pop up once in a while, top five. But again, the putting is just the one, one thing that's holding them back.
1: Yeah. For Um,
2: sure. And then, yeah, for fading, it's again, that's a lot of like form based stuff, uh, but it, it does. It's the same mold of player. It's the, you know, the guys who would spray it a bit off the tee and then just scramble really well. And it's it's just tough from a predicting, you know, predicting outcomes point of view. It's tough to really get a gauge on where those guys are, are, uh, form wise and like day day is that kind of that kind of player patrick reed a little bit um so i typically don't find myself rostering those those players
1: yeah. yeah day was weird because he was like he was sustaining like what seemed like an unsustainable uh strokes gain putting level for multiple years and you're like well maybe he's just like the best putter of all time i i don't i don't know what's going on here um but yeah he definitely falls in that category okay uh speaking of jason day he's in the zozo field this week uh, we're going to Japan. This is a new. This is a new uh, tournament. New course. How do you? I guess one of my questions about this is because I, I'm pretty rudimentary when it comes to uh, picking guys on a new course. It's like, well, where's the talent at? Who are the guys that are playing well? How do you approach uh, these fields when you're trying to pick guys for a, for a different course that we haven't seen before?
2: Yeah, you gotta. We're all kind of guessing, but, I mean, this week was a little different. We had the the Skins game to give us a look at the the course, so we have an idea of how it's going to play, but pretty much you're trying to find comparables that they go to pretty much every year on the tour, so this week, Accordia Golf and I mean, interesting name, but it's a a pretty uh, unique-looking course. Um, Very tree-lined, very tight. Uh, It's got... All the par 4s, none of them are between 425, which is pretty average. None of them are between 425 and 486. So it's either, you know, a a drive and wedge or it's like drive and long iron. There's no in-between par 4s. It's got five par 3s, which is, again, kind of unique makeup for a par 70. And then um, every hole actually has two greens. Um, I guess that's pretty common current in in Asia where – the, you know the, the seasons de- determine what uh, putting surface you're putting on but uh so it just kind of it looks it looks different it looks it's very hilly the greens are very undulating um and again it's tight and rory was talking about it on the, on the skin game when he was mic'd up he was saying this is completely the opposite from uh, what the guys are playing at the cj cup where they could just kind of bomb it the fairies are super wide so i i think it's going to really kind of level the playing field this week and give almost everyone a shot to win.
1: Yeah. Cause you watch the CJ cup and it feels kind of kapalua ish. It just feels so yeah, so like, yeah, wide, so wide it, open and, and huge. Um, okay. So I, I was looking through this, explain to, to listeners your, uh, your, is it sweatsheet? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like talk me through what that looks like this week. Just explain to people what it is. Where they can find it, and then uh, just what's what, what you're kind of looking at for this week,
2: yeah, so every week i I don't like just giving picks because I feel like people will you know either tail them and then once they tail them for a while, they realize that I'm not the greatest at picking players, so this is kind of my way of these are, these are the guys I like. this is kind of the mold of player that I like, and he, these are the guys I'm pretty much tracking all week. Um, it's on my Twitter feed, uh, ePAG Golf. Uh, pretty creative. Um, <laughs> So I just, it, for for DFS purposes, there's always going to be, like, those very expensive guys this week. It's Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, um, Hideki, so, like, the elite of the elite. And typically you want a bunch of those guys in your lineups. Um, so that's where you'll see, like, top exposure. These are the guys that, you know, I'm backing because I really, really think they have a chance at winning. And then the values of the, you know, the guys further down the board where, the long shots, you could say, where they're you know very cheap. You can put them in every lineup. You can you know put a couple bucks on them, and they might you know win you a couple hundred. So um, it's pretty much just a breakdown of yeah guys I like. Um, and this week uh, again, it's it seems like these elite players show up to these seventy-eight man fields and just win them. Uh, we saw it at the CJ Cup the last three years. JT Brooks, JT. So I really really like JT to win this week again um we're maybe jumping ahead before the, the winner's section but uh he's definitely going to be like my highest owned player it's going to be tough to bet him it's seven to one i believe his odds are so but he just he just has no weaknesses right now i uh, i think he can he can probably overpower this course even though it is tight and tree-lined
1: yeah i agree we are jumping ahead a little bit actually let's um let's do this let's Go to our break, we'll hear from a sponsor, and we'll come back and we'll give you, um, we'll give listeners, you and I will give listeners, a winner, a top 10, and a sleeper, and then we'll discuss some very, very serious questions that we've been thinking about uh, as it relates to the world of golf right now. So uh, we'll go to our break and be back in just a minute.
0: Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10%? we'll seek out a solution Okay, Eric, uh, we we need to give
1: out winner, top 10, and sleeper. Uh, you Are you taking JT? Is that true? you're You're walking that down?
2: It's pretty bold coming on the show for the first time and picking the favorite. I mean, I'm <laughs> uh, really going out on a limb here. But, yes, I, if I'm going to pick a winner with no money involved, nothing, I'm, I'll take Justin Thomas. They're just He's dominant right now. He's got his last four events. He's got his two wins uh, and nothing outside of the top 10. So uh, Yeah. He, He's I, I, he's too good.
1: He's he's unquestionably the best player in the world right now. I think he. I think the second best player in the world right now uh, is probably Rory, uh, and he's eight to one, so he's just behind JT in terms of uh, betting favorites. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Xander. Last time we saw him uh, in Asia, he won. He won the HSBC Champions last year. He's just. I feel like he's consistent. I mean, twenty to one. I just feel like that's too high for him and um I don't know he hasn't played a ton this fall so I'm not totally sure what to expect in terms of form but he just shows up he shows up and uh he plays really well uh when when you're kind of like oh yeah Xander's really good he's one of the 10 best players in the world so I'm gonna take Xander to win who do you have for your top 10?
2: Yeah, I'll just I'll back you on that Xander call I mean I think it's he has three wins in limited field events the yeah. tournament of champion so it's just He loves these things, and he just kind of shows up when you're really not paying attention. But, yeah, him not having played is kind of concerning, but he he might easily win this week or defend next week in China. But, um, all right, top 10. I will go with Paul Casey. This seems like a perfect course for him. He's not extremely, you know, you wouldn't consider him a bomber, but he is a top 10 off the tee kind of guy. So he hits a ton of fairways, which is exactly what you need here. Um, and then just becomes a wedge game from there. And he'll, you know, he showed no signs of not being able to, you know, stick it close on these. These greens are tough to putt. So everyone might have a a bit of a problem with them. But I think, I think Casey's going to give himself the most look. So he's my, he's my top 10 lock.
1: Yeah. I like that. He won the uh, European, o- Porsche European Open. Uh, what was that about? That's A, right. month, a month ago, I think. Um, yeah. So he's, right. he's got, uh, He's got some pretty good form coming in. Um, I'm gonna go JT as my top ten. He's, it's you wouldn't bet it because he's minus 140 um, to to finish in the top ten, which is a a comical number. But he, I mean, yeah, uh, nothing outside the top 12 in his last eight starts. Two wins in that time. It's just it's difficult to see him not finishing in the top ten this week.
2: Yeah, JT. I I looked at it before coming on here six. Six of his eleven career wins, I believe, are they come west of California, so it's <laughs> Hawaii, Asia. So it's just like when people are sleeping, JT's winning, winning tournaments.
1: Yeah, that should be his new tagline. Uh, when people are sleeping, I'm winning tournaments. Okay, <laughs> uh, who do you who do you have as your sleeper this week?
2: I'm gonna go with a guy like last week. Actually, um, he was in the he was in the mix until he kind of crumbled on the weekend. But it's Siwoo Kim. Uh, yes, he's 125 to one. Uh, in a field, you know, this size with maybe the last like 15 to 20 guys who mostly are, you know, playing the Japanese and Asian tours. Uh, I just don't think he's he's inconsistent, but I mean, he pops up and wins on these, you know, shorter Pete Dye style courses. Kind of what I was alluding to earlier. These it's short, so you don't really have to bomb it. You just gotta, you know, find your find your fairways and kind of plod your way around. So. Siwoo Kim is my, you know, my sleeper. I'll, I'll probably uh, sprinkle a few dollars on him at 125 to one.
1: Yeah, 125. I just, I you see him at that number a lot. I think, I think sometimes you see him at like 150, and you're like, man, this guy, is, yeah. this guy is so young. He's got a player. I mean, he, it, it just, it feels like, it feels like he's in the the like uh, Morikawa Wolf Havlin category, and I mean, certainly he's more accomplished than those guys if you're just talking about wins but he is you know three four five times what they are in terms of odds in all these tournaments um so yeah i i always feel tempted to uh to take him at some of those numbers i'm gonna go this is this is kind of cheating but we we define sleeper as 40 to 1 or higher so that's fair i'm gonna go ben on uh at 40 he finished t6 last week uh opened at 64 at the cj cup um. Again, like like you said earlier, he's just a ball strike. I mean, he's just un- an unbelievable ball striker. And uh, yeah. And he's not.
2: to interrupt. Yeah, I think he led the tour in strokes in around the green too. So it's really just putting for him. He he's incredible everywhere else.
1: Yeah, he needs to have Jason Day get a lesson with Jason Day or <laughs> Brad Brad Faxon or somebody. Um. So yeah, I'll go Ben on as my sleeper. Uh, which like means. It it means we need to uh, talk about four very serious questions I have for you. Uh, number one, we'll go these go through these pretty quickly. Does the Zozo championship have the best website of any PGA tour event? It
2: has to. It has to. It's got this <laughs>
0: fl-
2: flaming, flaming golf ball that like shoots at you as soon as you open the page. And I guess that's like a ode to Japan and the land of the rising sun or it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. And then you for for people who, like me who you know really want to know what the course looks like, it's got a drone flyover of every hole. It's uh, it's just a well put together website that I'm I'm definitely spending way too much time on before a tournament, but you know in it's, the fall season.
1: It's incredible. I was checking it out today. We we saw this. Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago for the HSBC where they had the like crazy anime graphics with all the guys? Like yeah, oh yeah, they with, made them like cartoons and yeah. Yeah, it was, it was insane. That's a little bit. It's not the same, but that's a little bit of what the feel is on this website. Um, Speaking so of yeah. that, I'm excited for
2: I'm excited for next week to get to see what the the guys in China get up to. Last year was badminton. I think the year before that they were, you know, flying around in capes and on on high wires. So uh, that's always yeah, a it, good, good bit of fun.
1: Isn't that when Stinson like hurt his back?
2: Yeah, Stinson got hurt. You know, getting lowered down or something wild. <laughs>
1: You're like, oh, a forty-year-old on like a on like a <laughs> t- on a tightrope, like in a, uh, in a city. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. We shall see. Next super serious question is Chase Kepka actually better than Brooks Kepka?
2: Uh, recent form, you could argue he is. I, <laughs> uh, I mean Brooks, I love Brooks. Like I think Brooks is incredible for the tour, but this like this kind of mouth running with recent no backing up of results I I just you can't come out and uh you know lose to your brother and then you know sadly he did withdraw last week but he he wasn't playing great um you know a week after poo-pooing the the rivalry between Rory it just I'd love to see him just show up and dominate some of these fields the way he should be and and could do um but right now I mean give me chase over Brooks you'll get good odds on it too
1: What did you think about the – this is an actual question. Uh, We'll get to the last two in a second. What did you think about the Player of the Year award? Because I think the crowd that argued for Rory, and I'm curious if you're in this crowd, looked at some of the strokes gain stuff, and you're like, wait a second. Rory, like, doubled Brooks's strokes gain number. And that's, you know, it's not the most significant thing, but it's certainly significant. And so I'm curious about where you landed on all that.
2: Um. I do, I definitely understand the the strokes gained aspect of it, but I do, as just like an outside fan, I'm definitely looking at majors. They're way more, you know, memorable. Like, I I was at the Canadian Open, and Rory, you know, he showed up and just destroyed the field and gained a ton of strokes there, um, which obviously Kepka didn't do. He was also there and, you know, struggled on the weekend. But, you know, where Kepka gains all of his strokes are in the big events, the majors, um, and whereas, you know, Rory, I, I kind of, one of the, one of the wins is slipping my mind, but, uh, you know, he just, he'll, he'll rack up a T4 and some off field event and, you know, that the pad the stats a bit. So I'm on team Kepka for the, the player of the year, but I can definitely understand, you know, why Rory ended up winning it.
1: Yeah. I think, I think one of my frustrations with some of the stats stuff is that the majors aren't included in the strokes gain. And so it's such a... I mean, yeah. it's like it—it's like a—it's a real number, but it's like not really a real number, uh, and it's frustrating because you want to use that. I mean, that should be strokes gain should be a real argument, but if you don't include the majors, it's hard to it's it's difficult to make it into a real argument.
2: I mean, yeah. Again,
1: it—I
2: know they you can get strokes gain total from just the score leaderboard, but like you know, right. looking into strokes gain approach and stuff, where Rory and obviously probably did better than, than Brooks it's you can't really decipher between the, the two there but yeah I do agree I don't know when you say Rory doubled Kepka, like that definitely that isn't including the
1: majors so right right because on the on the PGA to Tours play. uh website for because I'm not gonna get, I mean to go in and add up all the you'd have to do that for every single guy and it's like okay well what I'm Justin just gonna, Ray's for. that's what that is what Justin writes for <laughs> that's he's the goat um so yeah, it just—I I wish that those were somehow uh, folded in. Okay, uh, third serious question is—is is Chase Kepka Rory's real rival?
2: I mean, I wish Chase was in this field so we could get <laughs> another another week between the two. But um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Rory, the rivalry between Brooks and Rory—it's obviously it is. I don't care how what they want to say, but you know, they're the two biggest players in the world right now, and everyone wants to see especially the way that last year ended, um, at, at yeah. Memphis and the tour championship, we had two showdowns between the two and are they're one and one. So, um, it's definitely yeah. a rivalry no matter what they, they say.
1: I agree. I think it's a real thing. I told Mark and Lumen this on Monday, like Rory said what he said during the skins deal and I thought it was diplomatic and good and thoughtful, all the things that we would come to expect from Rory. But I also thought there was a hint of like, hey, I'm going to file this one away and this one's going to come back up at a later date. And whether he has the opportunity to bring it back up, whether that's a Ryder Cup or a major or whatever, that remains to be seen. But I I definitely don't think we've heard the last of that kind of, you know, some of the language that was used uh, between the two over, over the course of the last week.
2: Yeah, Rory. Rory knows like no one's paying attention to golf right now, so he's gonna wait for, you know, when when all the eyeballs are on the sport to, to give it back to him. So I'm just highly anticipating when that moment is. You're not wrong.
1: <laughs> okay, last one. Uh, what do you? What are JT's odds at uh, winning the Caps Lock Slam? So for people that don't know, <laughs> the uh, this so last week uh, was the CJ Cup at Nine Bridges. For some reason all caps on the PGA tour website this week, the Zozo championship, all caps. We've got, uh, what else do we have here? The players championship in March, which that is the players is all caps. And then championship is not, I don't get that. Uh, and then we've got the Northern trust, all caps. That's next August. And then obviously the tour championship, all caps. So we've got a five okay. event slam, all, all events that, where uh, where JT's had success, he won TPC Boston. He's played really well at TPC Sawgrass. He obviously won last week at the CJ Cup. He this is a real thing, Eric. He could win the Caps Lock Slam.
2: <laughs> this, is, this definitely is a real thing. I I didn't think of it until you you know you sent me the email with what like can he win the Caps Lock Slam? And I went through and I was like, man, he's got a really really good chance at this. <laughs> he's one for five right now. Uh, he, he's my pick to win the Zozo. Um, and you know, I think the biggest one for him is the players. So yeah. if he can get through the players with three wins at the cap locks, uh, I I'd give him the, I'd give him the slam and then we'll be talking about this for years to come. I don't yeah, know who I... plays in all of these events, but, <laughs> um, we, we need to, they should be promoting this a little more and get some more players over in Asia for the fall swing.
1: It'll be like it'll be like Bobby Jones the, the when he won the slam they'll have a ticker tape parade through New York City for JT and uh it'll yeah it'll be fantastic. Hey Eric thanks for your time man. Uh really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Uh we'll definitely try and do it again in the future and uh enjoy that uh that Pellys Raptors game tonight. Should be should be a blast.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you uh so much for having me on and definitely look forward to uh talking again soon.
1: Absolutely. Talk to you later, Bob.